you have your Bibles, open it up to Luke chapter number 11 this morning. We're going to be there in a little bit. We're going to, it'll be a while before we get there, but go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter number 11. It was the first century B.C., and there was a devastating drought that was occurring in Israel or in around Jerusalem area, and it was such an enormous drought that it threatened to destroy the generation just before Jesus. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. Miracles were a distant memory, and it seemed like God was nowhere to be heard. We know this time as the 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, that 400 years where God was silent. There were no prophets, there were no miracles, there was nothing done. But outside the walls of Jerusalem, there lived an old sage by the name of Honi. Honi was an individual who dared to pray no matter what. His thinking was that even though the people could not hear from God right now, that they had not heard from God, his thinking was God still hears his people. Even though God's not speaking, he still hears his people. And so he was praying and he would pray for different things. When rain is plentiful, we don't think about it. But when you're in a drought, it's the only thought that people have. Amazing. We were driving uh, back from Tyler on Friday. And came through Quitman and came across Lake Fork there. And it was amazing how low the lake is. I mean, from, from where the docks were and where the water is now, I mean, we're in a drought time. And Jerusalem was experiencing a major drought. Crops had failed. People were dying because of this. And so Honey was their only hope. He was famous for his ability to pray for rain, and it would rain. And so it was on this day that Honey would receive a moniker or a label that would follow him for the rest of his life. On this particular day, outside the walls of Jerusalem, Honey took his six-foot staff and he stuck it into the ground. And, and following the, the diagram of a math compass, he started going around not first 90 degrees, then 180 degrees, then 270 degrees, finally 360, where he did a complete circle. And then he dropped to his knees in the middle of that circle. And he raised his hands towards heaven. And with the authority in his voice of the authority of Elijah who prayed and called fire down from heaven, Honey called down rain. And he made this prayer. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And as he prayed, and as those prayers were ascending up into heaven, eventually raindrops began to fall. The problem was the raindrops were heavy and it was beginning to come down so hard and so heavy that it was flooding things and it was making mud and the people were scattering and running for shelter. And so Honey, still in the middle of that circle, cried out to God again and he said, oh, God, not for this type of rain. I'm not asking. I want a slow rain. I want a nourishing rain. 
And as she prayed, the rain began to lighten up and it began to be just a lot nice, steady shower. And the people came out and they began to get their buckets and they began to fill their water pots and began to store that water. And Honey, because of this prayer, was a prayer that saved a generation that was deemed one of the most important prayers in all of the history of Israel. In fact, in the Israel Mish... I always forget how they say it. Mishka or Mishva. It's listed in there. This prayer and, and who he is is mentioned in that Hebrew uh, document. And so it is an important thing. It's an important prayer. And he received this moniker, this name, Honi the Circle Maker. In 2011, a pastor by the name of Mark Batterson, he pastors um, a, a church up in Washington, D.C. He wrote a book entitled The Circle Maker. If you've never read the book, I would encourage you. It's an amazing book, and it's an amazing story. And, and some of what this message is is built around that book and some of the things in his book. Um, but he, he goes through the history of their church and the way they prayed for God and the way they prayed for things for God. And God just kept giving things and doing things because they would circle it. They would pray and say, God, we're not giving up until you show yourself to us. Now, since Honey made this prayer, the Earth has circled the sun more than 2,000 times. But I think when you think of Honey in, in what he became known as the circle maker, I think even though we've rotated the sun a couple of thousand times, I think God is still looking for individuals like Honey, individuals that will circle prayers, that will make prayers and circling them for God. Can I tell you this morning as we get started, God is not offended by bold prayers. In fact, it, it, write this down. Bold prayers honor God because God honors bold prayers. Bold prayers honor God. They actually bring honor to God because God is honoring those bold prayers. If our prayers aren't impossible to us, do you know what that means? They're insulting to God. If we're praying for things that we can hopefully accomplish on our own, but we just pray so, so maybe God gives us a little help, those prayers are insulting to God. Why? Because they don't really, des they don't really require any divine intervention. They don't really require God coming in, showing up, and showing off. Because we can kind of handle the situation on our own. We're just maybe praying for a little direction or praying for something. But in the end, we can deal with the problem, but we pray for it just so we can say we prayed for it. And it really didn't require God's hands. But when you ask God to part the Red Sea, you ask God to make the sun stand still in the middle of the sky, you ask God to float an iron axe head, and God is moved to omnipotent action. There's nothing God loves more there's nothing, you read scripture, there's nothing God loves more than keeping the promises that he makes in scripture. He keeps his promises. He loves keeping them. He loves to answer prayers. And even God loves to perform miracles. And we don't see the miracles like they saw in the New Testament, but God still performs miracles. He performed them in the Old Testament. He performed them in the New Testament. And God still performs miracles today. And he still wants to do that in our lives. The bigger the prayer circle we draw, the better it is. Because when God answers those prayers, when we draw big prayer circles and get in them and say, God, this can only be done through you. When God does come in and God answers and God shows up and God shows off, God's the one that gets the glory and not us. 
what you pray for reveals what you believe about God. How we pray reveal, deep down reveals what we believe about God. I couldn't be more excited about beginning this series on prayer. As you know, I've been, this is something that's been on my heart and my mind all year, um, even into last year, talking about prayer and praying for God to do something amazing in our church and God to come in and show off to show, show that God is the only one that can do these things and to see God move in a powerful way in our church. And so our theme verse for this entire series is John 14, 13, and 14, where Jesus spoke these words. He said, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus is telling us, look, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. You see, the, the promise there is got to ask it in his name. It's, it's not necessarily for us. It's something that we pray for that when it comes and it is answered and something happens, it says so that God, the Son, can bring glory to the Father. Ultimately, God gets the glory because it was only something God could do. And he said, yes. He, he repeated it. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. If what you're asking for, when it is answered, if it's bringing glory to God, it will happen. I will do it. And you say, wow, man, that's a great promise. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking right now because I've had this same thought. Well, I've asked for plenty of things and God didn't give them to me. I've asked for plenty of things and God didn't answer those prayers. Why? Well, this may be a reason. James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous for what others have and you can't possess it, so you fight and you quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is you don't ask God for it. But even when you do ask, you don't get it. Why? Because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You say, well, I asked for stuff and God doesn't give it. Well, what was the reason you were asking for it? Was it something for you personally? I mean, you know, if you say, God, man, man Lord, I really want that new car. Man, it is shiny, got bells, got whistles, got everything. Lord, I, I know I got a good car and I know it runs and I know, but man, I want that one, God. So I, I'm praying and you said, ask anything in your name. So in the name of Jesus, give me a car. And Well, God didn't answer my prayer. I didn't get a car. Well, no, God gave you a car. He already given you one. It's a good one. You'd have it. You didn't need that one. It's not bringing him glory. Now, I'm, I'm, I have a friend of mine who... Is it, was it, still does it on some time, but not full time as he used to. He's a traveling evangelist, children's evangelist. Went and did child, um, revivals and stuff for kids while parents were in revival. He would hold stuff. He would do missions, emphasis with kids, VBS. So he traveled all over the United States. And he had a, uh, I'm telling you, he had a beat up old van. I mean, and he would bring a trailer and he would haul stuff. And he drove that everywhere, I mean, till the wheels fell off. He, he didn't have money to buy one, so he was praying, God, I need another vehicle. But, I mean, you're holding this one together, and if this is what you give me, I'm going to do it. But he was praying and praying. He went to a meeting in a church in Kentucky. I believe it was Kentucky. And he'd been praying, and he comes there for a meeting, and the church comes out and says, we want to give you something. And they give him a Suburban. Wasn't totally brand new, but it was a very low mileage Suburban. I mean, to him, it was brand new. Um, and... 
he still has that. That was almost eight, nine years ago, and he's still driving. He said, man, it got over 400,000 miles on it, but it's still going. It's still running. He still uses it. And, but he says, you know, he gave glory to God for that because that was something God gave him that he couldn't do on his own. See, that's what I'm saying. We ask for our own pleasure, our own benefit. God's not getting the glory for that. And that's why he says, you're not getting it because you're asking for the wrong reasons. Jesus said, you ask it in my name so the Father gets the glory. I will do it for you. If you don't ask for the glory of God, it's not going to happen. Look, understanding that is not something that can necessarily be taught. We really have to catch that thought, that idea that I have to pray for things that bring God glory. And if I pray for those things, God will always do them. He's promised that. Now, don't misunderstand this for saying this is, this is something for, you know, um, name it, claim it. You know, the, the wealth stuff that, well, if I name it and claim in the name of Jesus, I'm going to claim it because he said he'd do it. Again, it's specific. Whatever you're asking for, when it is answered, has to ultimately bring glory to God. And if it does that, Jesus said, if you're asking for something that will ultimately bring glory for God, I'm going to do it. I will do it. And so that's why we're doing this series. We're, we're, we're teaching us to learn how to pray. You know how you learn how to pray? You want to know the secret to learning how to pray? Here it is. Two words. You pray. That's how you learn how to pray. You just pray. You just start praying. You know what prayer is? It's just talking to God. Just like you carry on a conversation with your wife or your kids or your grandkids or your neighbor. Just like that, you're just doing it to God. And I know that seems odd and I know that seems strange because you're like, well, I can see them. They can respond. We can carry on a conversation. And so sometimes praying to God, it's like I don't see him. I don't feel him. So I'm just praying and it's like, is he even hearing me? Is he even there? But that's prayer. It's just communicating with God. And so what I'm going to challenge us to do over the next three weeks, over the next 21 days, I've got three more weeks of this series. It's a four-week series. And so over the next three weeks, I want to challenge us to a 21-day prayer challenge. That we are going to pray for 21 days for things that when they happen, God is going to get the glory for them. That we'll see God show up and show off in our lives and in our church. And I think it's not only going to frame the next 21 days, the next month, but even the next year. If we can grasp this. This understanding of praying and the right way to pray. Look in Luke chapter 11. This is kind of where it boils down to. In verse number 1 it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. I want you to notice what they asked Jesus to do. They didn't say, Jesus, could you teach us to do the miracles you do? Jesus, could you teach us, as, as we would say today, could you teach us how to hold conferences or how to hold seminars? Could you teach us, Lord, how to, 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 to sing great? Can you teach us? No, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You ever had one of those moments when you've been around someone that when they prayed, 
you were just like, wow. Man, they, they were like in the very presence of God. That, that the words that came out of their mouth, it was so eloquent, just so amazing that you're like, wow. I mean, they, they were praying to God like he was standing right there and that they were best friends. And I mean, it was just amazing. It was a familiarity they were praying. They had authority. And you think, man, maybe there's a way I can learn how to do that. Maybe there's a way I can learn how to, to pray like that person or to pray like this person. And we think maybe there's something, there's a form, there's a formula that if I learn it, I can be that way. I wonder if that's how the disciples felt around Jesus. They heard Jesus pray to his father all the time. And after this one moment, they come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, understand this. The disciples had learned how to pray. Many of them, if they grew up Jewish, they went to the synagogue. They went in training. They were set under rabbis. And they grew up in this learning scripture, memorizing scripture, learning prayers to God. It wasn't that they didn't know how to pray, but they didn't know how to pray the way Jesus prayed. This, this familiarity, this, this prayer to his father that seemed so so fresh, so new, so sincere. And they heard Jesus praying that and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to pray that way. Let me tell you something this morning. There is nothing, there is nothing more important. There is nothing more powerful in our life than prayer. Nothing. Nothing more important, nothing more powerful than prayer. It is, prayer is the difference between uh, you fighting for God and God fighting for you. If I have to choose the two, I'd rather have God fighting for me. I want God on my side. I don't want to just fight for God. I want God to fight for me. It is the difference between the possible and the impossible. Remember, Jesus said, with man, things are impossible. With God, all things are, are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. God can do anything he wants. Prayer is the difference between fear, having fear in a situation, and having faith and trusting God. It's the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. And let me tell you, there is a big difference between those two. There's a big difference between the very best you can do and the very best God can do. It is a huge difference. Now, Some of you might be thinking, man, here we go again, another, another thing on prayer. You know, I've been in church all my life. You know how much I've heard on prayer. You know how many messages I've heard on prayer and pray this way and do this and the Lord's prayer and pray it like this. Uh, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will. I mean, you know how much I've heard all of these things. And so you're going to make me feel bad because I don't pray like I should or you're going to make me feel bad because I'm not praying as much as I should or the way I should. And so you'll, you'll think, well, you know what? I'll give this prayer another shot. I'm going to make the pastor happy. I'll give this prayer another shot, and, and, and I'll try to pray. Listen, that's not the purpose of this. I don't want to guilt you into anything. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty if you do pray or don't pray, or if you don't pray this way, you don't pray that way. What I'm doing with this is just to challenge us with this simple reminder for the next 21 days this is our motto. This, this is what I want us to remember. This is what I want us to constantly think about is, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. God, teach me to pray. Teach me to have a conversation with you like you want me to have. 
So, so let, let's, just, let's just kind of get on level ground this morning. Let's get this out of the way. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you, and you can raise your hand if you want to, how many of you think for the, the first two months of 2022, you have prayed entirely too much? You, I mean, you've just prayed in too much. Not me. How many of you say, well, man, I don't really need to pray for anything because I'm batting a thousand. Everything I pray for, God's answered. Man, it's just great. I, I mean, there's nothing I've prayed for this year that God hadn't answered yet. Anybody like that? You, everything you've prayed for, God's done already. Not me. If you have, man, I want to talk to you. I want to see what you're doing and, and see how you're praying because obviously I need that. See, we, none of us this morning are going, man, I've just prayed so much already. I, I mean, I've prayed entirely too much. It's not about praying too much. Most of us, myself included, it's about praying too little. We get busy. Other things come in and we, we say some quick prayers. But I, I'm excited and I know I keep, I keep saying this, but I am, I am truly excited to see what God is going to do in our church. If I wasn't, I, I wouldn't be here. I don't need the struggles. I mean, if, if, if it was up to me, you know what I'd be? I'd be in a church running a thousand where I could sit back and kick back and not do anything. I mean, that, that's what most guys want. They want where they can come in and everything's built, everything's running, there's people to run everything, and you just kind of come in and preach. I love preaching. So that, that, that's the ideal thing. But that's not what God has me. God has me here, and so God has given me a burden. God has given me a vision and says, if, if you're going to be here, you've got to work. You've got to do something. And so I want God to do something. I'm excited. I think God wants to do something amazing with us, but it's going to only start and end with prayer. It's the only way we can get God to do what God plans to do is if we pray and we cry out to him and we claim the promises that he's made in his word. And can I say this morning, none of us have arrived. We're all learners. We all are learners. We, none of us have all of this stuff together. So this is what I want to do. This is, for the next 21 days, this is our motto. Lord, teach us to pray. So I want you to say it with me on the count of three. Say, Lord, teach us to pray. One, two, three. Lord, teach us to pray. That is what we want to pray. That is what we want to do. Lord, teach us to pray. So when Jesus, Jesus gives them this, tells them how to pray, and, and this is the Lord's prayer, and it's, there's more to it in Matthew, but this is just Luke's version. He says, this is it. Well, in verse 5, go down to verse 5 of Luke chapter 11. Jesus tells him, okay, this is how you pray. Then he said this. Suppose you have a friend. So he gives him a kind of a scenario. Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, hey, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Now, first of all, you, you got to be good friends if you're going to go over to your friend and knock on his door at midnight and say, hey, somebody just showed up at my house, and I got no food, so I need some bread. <laughs> I mean... Most of us wouldn't do that at midnight. We might wait till the next morning, but this guy shows up at midnight. In verse 7, it says, suppose the one inside answers, hey, don't bother me. <laughs> Leave me alone. 
the door is already locked. My children are lying in bed. I mean, most people with kids are going to be in bed by midnight. He says, I can't get up and give you anything. Just not going to do it. I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. Go away. Figure it out on your own. Verse 80 says, but I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus saying, he's not doing it out of friendship. He's doing it because you have the audacity to come over at midnight, knock on his door and say, hey, I need bread. He's not doing it because he likes you. He's doing it just so you'll quit knocking on his door and you'll leave so he can go back to bed. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I mean, this is an amazing depiction of prayer. That phrase, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. In the Greek, what that literally means is keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't ever give up. Jesus is saying, keep on knocking on the door. Keep on knocking on the door. Keep on knocking on the door. When we pray to God, we're knocking on the doors of heaven. He said, you keep on praying. You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. Don't give up. You be consistent. I mean, some people, you've heard stories, I've heard stories of of mothers and grandmothers who've prayed for prodigal children who've gone away from the Lord and they're living a life that is totally against God and totally out of God. They don't even even acknowledge God anymore and they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed and some of them have prayed five years, some of them have prayed 10 years, some of them have prayed 20 years, but eventually those children come home. Why? Because the mother or the grandmother consistently, consistently prayed. Prayed and prayed and kept seeking and kept knocking and kept crying out to God. Lord, I want an answer and I'm not taking no for an answer. You say, well, isn't that demanding? Do I have a right to demand of God? Do I have a right to go to God and say, God, I'm not going to quit asking until you give me this or until you answer me this. I don't know if it's demanding or not. All I know is Jesus said these words. And if Jesus said them, And Jesus said the words in John chapter 14 that we looked at, that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. All I know are those are promises of God. And if we're going to claim the promises of God, we've got to be willing to do whatever. And so we keep praying, we keep praying, and we keep praying. What I find interesting is this. I think sometimes it's not about God, it's about us. I think we are afraid. That if we pray these bold prayers, that if we pray these prayers that are just, that, that, that we just are like way out there to think, well, okay, if I pray this, there's no way God can answer this. If we pray those kind of bold prayers, that somehow we're going to offend God. Can I tell you, our bold prayers, our prayers will not offend God. God is not offended by our prayers. The only thing that is offensive to God is if we come to God and ask for anything less than God's best. We don't ask for something that is amazing that when God does, it's going to be an amazing thing. So what do we tend to do? We tend to pray for things that are just out of our reach, as I said. That that we might just need a little bit of God's help because it's just where I can't get it. So if God just does a little bit, then it'll come, it'll work out, it'll be accomplished. And so we say, God, could, could you help me do 
probably what I could do if I really worked at it, if I really stretched at it, and I really tried really hard. I could probably do this, but, but God, I don't want to give that much energy, so could you help me? Listen, that's, that's not a bold prayer. That's not something that God's going, man, I, I want to help that. God wants to work in the impossible. God wants to work when it seems like nothing else is going to matter or going to happen. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. You go all the way back to the children of Israel to the book of Joshua. There was a miracle. As they were entering the land of Canaan, they had a miracle called the Jericho Miracle. Because they were up against this impregnable city. And God says, we're going to defeat this city. We're going to do it. So I want us to notice three things about this miracle that happened in Jericho. Number one, you had the problem. There was a problem the Israelites were facing. They had a problem to be able to cross over the Jordan because the very first city, as they came into the land of Canaan to conquer this land, the very first city was the city of Jericho. And so in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says this, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. So they come to the city and it is completely shut up. There is a six foot wide, a six foot wide lower wall, and it's a 50 foot high wall. So it's six foot wide and 50 feet tall surrounding this city. Um, the, it, it is a 12 acre city all the way around. And so six foot wide, 50 feet tall. That's what the Israelites come in and they see this city. They see the problem right before them. How in the world are we supposed to penetrate this city? How are we supposed to get into this city? We don't have the equipment. We don't have the stuff to break down those walls. We don't have the stuff to break down those gates. We, God, you're giving us this. This is a problem. You ever been that way in your life where you just seemed you had a problem? That, that you didn't know how you were going to solve this problem. You didn't know how you were going to make it through this problem because this problem seemed un... where that you could not win, that it was undefeatable, that you could not do anything against it. And so you had a problem. So God sees their problem, so then they get a promise. The miracle has a problem, but it also has a promise. In verse 2, it said, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Maybe this is something you have never, you, you've never realized when you're reading this story. But God tells them, you, you got to go fight. You got to go defeat Jericho. But before they even get over to the land, before they ever get there... God already gave them a promise. God said, I've given you Jericho. It's already done. Before you ever step foot onto the land where Jericho is, it is already yours. Can I tell you this morning, there are times in our life where God has already given us the thing. He's just waiting on us. He already knows what we need. He's just waiting for us to ask, to come humbly before him and ask him for it. And he's ready to do it. He's ready to give it to us. He's promised it, but he's waiting on us to do our part. And so they had a problem. God said, here's your promise. So then they had a plan. How are we going to fulfill this promise? God gives them a plan. The plan is found in Joshua chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. 
God said, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times. And the priests will blow the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all of the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Now, can you imagine this? You're, you're, you're waiting for Joshua to give you some amazing battle plan. This is how we're going to overthrow this city. God gave us this city. It's a promise. And this is how we're going to do it, man. We're going to, we're going to create siege ramps. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so Joshua calls the, the fighting men together. He calls the people together and says, all right, here's the plan. And they're like, okay, what's the plan? It's going to be an amazing. We're going to get in a group and we're going to walk around the city. And nobody's going to say a word. And we're going to do that once a day for six days. We're going to come in, we're going to walk around the 12 and a half acre city, and then we're going to go back to camp. Next day, we're going to come out, do the same thing, do the same thing. On the seventh day, we're going to march around it six times. We're going to do it six times, and at the last one, now, now, now think about this. It took them, they could march, oh, roughly three miles an hour, or um, about, well, about the, the 12 and a half mile march around the city, or really the 12 acres, about a mile and a half around the city, they, they could do that in about 30 minutes with that many people. About 30 minutes to walk a mile and a half. They, they were pretty quick because that's all they did was walk. So they, they did pretty good. So they'd start about six in the morning on the first lap. And by the time they finished the last one, by the time they finished the last lap, it was about 9 o'clock in the morning. They begin their final lap. And so they hadn't said a word in six days. They'd been quiet. Now, the people in the city had been cheering, jeering at them and calling out and saying weird stuff and crazy stuff. And look at these weirdo. Look at these crazy Israelites. And they just kept doing what God said. And on that last day, they marched around all the times God says. They circled Jericho. And then they ran, the, the priest blow the ram's horn. The people shout a shout that was registered on the Richter scale. And guess what? The walls came tumbling down. And the people went in. And at that moment, God had followed through on a promise made 400 years ago to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob saying, you will inherit this land. Abraham, the land that, you're, that your feet are on, your descendants will live here. This is your land. And over 400 years later, that promise has now been fulfilled with the walls come down. But it had to be by God's plan. Can I tell you this morning, the miracles that's going to happen in our life, the miracles that's going to happen in our church are by God's plan. But we still have to pray. We still have to do our part. And God will eventually do his part. So the question we ask this morning is, what is your Jericho? What is the Jericho that is going on in your life? What promises are you praying around? What are you praying for this morning? What miracle are you marching for? What do you want to see God do in your life? What do you want to see God do in our church? Look, drawing these prayer circles like Honey did is looking at the promises of God and seeing what does God want to do? What dreams can we claim? What promises can we claim? And then we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray until God gives an answer. Here's the problem we face, though. Most of us don't know what we want. 
Most of us don't know what we need to pray for. We, we don't know what miracle we're seeking. We don't know what we want God to do in our life because we've not circled those promises of God. We've not claimed those promises of God. We've not gotten into his word and claimed them and know what his promises are. And more than a thousand years after the miracle that happened at Jericho where the Israelites went in and defeated that city because God had promised it to them and gave it to them, another miracle happens in the same area. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 32, Jesus is on his way out of Jericho and two blind men know that he's there and they cry out and it says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd was following him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. They shouted even louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And so Jesus stopped. And he called out to them. And he asked this. What do you want me to do for you? Now we read that and go, really? Jesus, they're blind. What do you think they want you to do? They, they want their sight back. I mean, most people would be like, why is he asking them that? I mean... Can't he see they're blind? He knows they're blind. Everybody knows they're blind. And they're saying, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, okay, well, what do you want me to do? You know what Jesus did? He made them verbalize what he wanted, what they wanted from him. They just cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, okay, you want me to have mercy on you? What do you want me to do? And they said, well, we want our sight back. Can I tell you? That's what Jesus is doing in us. What is our Jericho? What do we want him to do? We can't just say, Lord, do something amazing in our church. We got to say, Lord, this is what we want you to do. This is it. We want this specific, this specific, not in generalities. They, they, they needed something specific in their life. They needed healing from their blindness. If Jesus were to come to you right now, and, and let me tell you, he is. If Jesus were to come to you right now and say, what do you want from me? What, what do you want to pray? Would you be able to spell it out to him and say, Lord, this is what I need right now. This is something specific that I'm praying for. And while we know God is for us, most of us have no idea what we want God to do for us. We know he's for us. We just don't know what we want him to do for us and through us. And that's why so many times our prayer is not only boring to us, it's boring to God. It's uninspiring. God, God's not moved by them. So like the two blind men outside Jerusalem, we need an encounter with the Son of God. We need an encounter with Jesus. We need to answer that question. Lord, what do you want? Jesus asking, what do you want me to do for you? We need to answer that question. Now, that, obviously that question changes over time because in different moments in our life, we need different things. But we need to be able to verbalize those things to God. And we need to share with Him. So what do you do? Well, over the next 21 days, make a list of things that you're going to be praying for. Write them down in a prayer journal. Write them down and say, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm asking for. And, and I encourage you to do that anyway when you pray. Have a journal nearby. When you're making requests, pray them down. Write them down so that when God answers them, you can go back and say, okay, God answered that prayer. 
I was praying specifically for this and God answered. When we just pray in generalities, we don't know if God's answered them or not. But when we get specific, when we say, Lord, give me my blindness, give me my sight back, and that happens, we know God did that. We know it was a specific thing God did. So do that. Things to pray for in our church. Pray for spiritual revival. Pray for our community around our church that we can reach our community. Do what the Israelites did. I know it seems weird. And, and I've done this before. Do a prayer walk. What I mean is come up to the church someday and just walk around the property and pray. The, the author of the book, The Circle Maker, I mentioned he, in, in the first part of the book, he talks about that up in, in Washington, D.C., I mean, land's hard to come by. And there was a place of land. He, he walked, prayer walked, around a whole, I forget, four-mile area or something. It took him uh, several hours. He was praying for these areas that God would open up for them to have some buildings in those areas. And they prayed and they prayed and he would walk it and prayed and walk it and pray. And he would stop at places and pray over that and say, God, I, I believe you want us to have this building. I believe that we can do an amazing work here. And I believe it and I believe it. And things just kept going on and kept going on and kept going on. And, and they, they put an offer on then. The offer was rejected because somebody else's offer was up. And, and it was just a whole thing. And he was giving up hope. And he came across the Jericho miracle where it said, the promise, I've already given you it. I've given you Jericho, just go do it. And he said, you know what, I, it hit me there that God's already given us this. He answered our prayer. We just don't have it yet. So he said, I went from praying, God, give it to me, to saying, God, thank you for what you're going to give us. And he said, it wasn't right after, not long after that. He got a phone call from his realtor and said, everything fell through. It's yours. Property is y'all's. He said, you know, when we quit praying, God give it to us and realize we believe God in our spirit. We knew this is where God wanted us to plant our church. And God was going to give us this property. And he did. That's what I'm saying. Make a list. No, walk around it. Say, God, I, this is what I want you to see do at Macon Baptist Church this year. I am claiming it. And it's not a name it, claim it, but it's saying, God, remember, God said, I will build my church. And so we're saying, God, build your church. Bring people in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's praying circles around them. I think our generation desperately needs to rediscover the difference between praying for something and praying through something where we don't give up. We don't just pray for it once, but we continue praying and praying and praying. I mean, there's, there's certainly times in our life where you pray for something and you only had to pray for it once because it happened and it's okay. But there are other things in our life where we have to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I know sometimes we think, man, God's getting tired of hearing me. Maybe it's praying over a, a sin that you have in your life and you think you've got to conquer it and then you fail and, and you go back to God and say, well, man, God, I got to ask for sorry. I, I, I failed you. I messed up. I know you're tired of hearing from me, God, but I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. And so it, we feel like we're, we're imposing on God and we feel like God is getting tired of us. But we need to be like Honey and, and plant ourselves in that circle and say, God, I refuse to move until you give me an answer. I refuse to quit praying, God, until you give me an answer. Let's look at one last passage of scripture as we close this morning. 
It's the story Jesus told in Luke chapter 18 of the persistent widow. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. He says, There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, Who neither feared God or cared about the people. So this judge was nobody. He didn't love people. He didn't even care about God. And so a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. Finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God. I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from that unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. You know what Jesus is saying? Just like that woman pestered and pestered that judge, he finally said, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to end. I'm going to give you justice just to get you off my back. He's saying, look, if that unjust will do that, how much more will your heavenly father who loves you, who cares for you, who is concerned about you, if you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying, that he will not hear you and he will not bring justice and he will not answer your prayer. When we become like Honey and become a circle maker, we always know it's too soon to quit praying because we never know when the wall of Jericho is about to fall down. We never know when the rain is about to come down. We may be only one prayer away from our miracle. And so it's about praying through. Listen, it's, it's more than just words. Being a circle maker, or drawing a circle around a promise of God and praying through that promise is more than just about words. It's about the, the heartbreak. It's about the tears. It's about crying out to God and saying, God, this is what you want. Let me ask you, when was the last time you found yourself flat on your face before God? Just crying out to God. When, when was the last time you cut off circulation in your knees, just on your knees praying for God? God, do this. God, do this in my life. God, do this in my family. God, do this in our church. Look, there are higher heights and deeper depths in prayer that God wants us to take. God wants us to move forward. He wants us to go to places that we've never been before in our prayer life. Look, if, if we want God to do something in our church, if we want God to do something in our life, it's going to take prayers that we haven't been praying already. It's going to be taking bold prayers. It's going to be not praying the same old prayers. God, you know, where we say, God, use me. God, do something great in our church. But it's saying, God, do this. God, bring this. God, this is what we want to see you do. Specific praying, something specific. And saying, this is what we want. This is what we want to see you do. And so let me challenge you over the next 21 days. Make prayer an important part of your life. If, you, if you've not been praying consistently, make it a part of your life over the next 21 days. Begin a brand new chapter in your life and a new relationship with God where you pray and you seek his face and you cry out to him. And maybe you just sit back and say, Lord, teach me to pray. Show me what I need to say. Re reveal to me what I need to pray for. Reveal to me what I need in my life. So that I can actually pray for that and I can see you accomplish that in my life. It's not until a lot of times we have desperate measures in our life that we begin to pray desperate prayers.
when we're facing a difficult situation or a problem that we can't solve, we cry out to God in desperate prayers because we're in desperate measures. Can I tell you, we should always be crying out in desperate prayers. We should be trusting in God and because every situation is desperate because we are coming into the very presence of God in prayer. And we want to see God do something amazing in our life. And it's not for us. Look, it's not for us to pat ourselves on the back and say, man, look what we did. No, it's for us at the end of the year in our church or in our own personal life to say, man, look what God did. Man, God, thank you so much. And give God the glory. And, and other people see what God has done. And that's what it's all about. It's about praying in Jesus' name, asking so that God gets the glory. And that's what we're called to do. I want to challenge you to do that this morning. I want to challenge you to say, God, I want to do this 21-day challenge. Lord, I want to learn to pray the way you want me to pray. Lord, I want to be bold in my prayers. Because that's what he's asking us to do. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us learn to pray the way you want us to pray. Not just praying for simple things, but God, but praying for something that only you can do. Praying for something that is out there, that is bold, that says when it happens, we know you were the only one that could accomplish that. We know you were the only one that can make that happen. And Lord, we give you the praise and we give you the honor and we give you the glory. Basically what it is, God, is we're learning to trust in you. We're learning to trust in what you want us to do. And so God, I pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, Lord help us to have the boldness of honing and Say, Lord, I, I'm staying here until you answer this prayer. Say, Lord, we're, we're not going to give up. We're not going to stop praying until you give us an answer, until you at least give us something. And it's not trying to hold you hostage, God, but it's saying, God, we know that if you answer this, you will get glory for this. And we want to bring you glory. So God, help us to be able to do that in our life. Help us to examine our prayer life, Lord, and, and let us go to the next level. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together this morning?